Hello, I'm Simon Farrell-Green, and I'm the editor of Here magazine, and we're delighted to be bringing you this series of wonderful New Zealand houses, along with our friends at Altham Window Systems. Over the next year, we'll be talking with top New Zealand architects about a recent design, learning how it came to be, and why the people who live in it love it so much. We'll have beautiful videos, lovely photographs, and some great yarns. But we're also going to feature a podcast with each project where I get to chat with the architect and hear the story behind the design. It's a chance for us to sit down at length and hear the full story. From the city to the country, from large and luxurious to small and clever, I hope you'll follow along with us as we explore these wonderful New Zealand houses. Sometimes a house is the perfect package, a spectacular view and a sense of glamour, a house built for entertaining but also for family life, and a house built for fun. This house in the suburb of Glendowie in Tamaki Makoro, Auckland by architect Evelyn McNamara is just that package. Built on a steep site, the view takes in a widescreen view over the Hauraki Gulf, taking Rangitoto, Motukoria, Browns Island and Music Point, looking down to Waiheke Island. But it's also a house whose practical details and hard-working layout makes family life really easy. To tell us more, we're joined by Evelyn and uh, potentially six-month-old Olivia, so please excuse any infant interruptions. Kia ora, Evelyn. Welcome. Hey, Simon. How are you going? Good. Good. So this is um, this is an amazing site. It's kind of you know one of the iconic Auckland views. When did you when did you first visit, and what what did you think? So I came to the site in two thousand and sixteen, um, and it was kind of a large. Well, it was a two thousand square meter site with a very small uh, sort of traditional batch at the bottom here where this house is. Um, and really just sort of grass sloping up towards the road. Um, and just sort of almost looked more like a, a small park than, right. than a residential <laughs> site. Um, and obviously we ended up subdividing it um, because it was so large and we didn't need that with, with this front section outlook being so expensive. Yeah, so, the, so the, the discussion obviously went to, you know, we're doing two houses rather than one quite quickly. Yeah, it did. It, it, funnily enough, um, the client and I took a trip down to Hahe to a house which I'd recently completed there, um, just so they could kind of get a feel for something similar of uh, sort of scale. And on the way down, it, it became, you know, moved from, oh, we might subdivide the back and sell that, to me saying, well, then what does your neighbour look like? And then we thought, well, should we design a house and sell the plans? But then... What if they change it? So actually, let's just build it and live in it while we do the second house. Right, right, and then and then sell it on. So I secured myself two jobs in the space of a car trip. Uh, well done, mm. well done. And so in terms of um, coming down that driveway, they they do share a language or they share a feel, but they're not. They don't feel like two townhouses. So that was obviously another deliberate another deliberate move. Yeah, the, the rear section um, is only 400 square metres and the house is kind of 330-ish, right. I think. So that one was really about like a Rubik's Cube, like pack everything into it, give it an elevation to the ocean, which is sort of enjoyed from the inside, but make that driveway elevation really private, really slick and kind of sort of sculptural, but not not um, detract from this front house. Mm. 
the really interesting thing about this place as you come in though is it doesn't because it's quite it's a pretty big house right it's it's what yeah. five, 500 odd close square to meters. 500 yeah it doesn't look like that from the driveway because we're we're right sort of down at the bottom of the cliff aren't we we're kind of there's a lot of digging yeah the the contour of the site dictated that i mean both dwellings are actually three levels with one whole level below the existing ground level so again that's the house at the back reads as two level from that Mm -hmm. driveway elevation and so that sort of drove this as well kind of saying let's try and keep it quite sort of minimal and and modest I guess from from that arrival point but also there's there's rules around that I mean you can't go above eight meters above the existing ground so that dictated if we wanted three levels we had to go down right right yeah it's got a real solidity to it that I really like what what drove that it doesn't feel like a lightweight house at all yeah, there's sort of this thing that I quite like to do where, um, particularly if you're you're excavating and dropping down, that that buildings kind of look as though they're like a little bunker in the land. I don't like kind of pole houses and propping things up because I think, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense in, in terms of, you know, weather and climate and stuff to perch yourself up on the top of a hill. Why would you not kind of nestle in and try and and sort of reduce, um, I guess, the, what the visible built form? And what's the what's the thinking behind it? How does the the layout work, and and how do they use it? Because they're a they're a busy working family. They've got three young active kids, so there's a, there's a lot of living happens in this house, isn't there? There's a lot of living, and I think the the layout was kind of let's separate out um, as many different zones as we can because as a family they like to enjoy lots of different activities, so. You know, you arrive and you kind of come into the house, I guess, in a practical sense, from the garage, kind of into the laundry, and then into the kitchen, dining, and living space, which is the place that you congregate in the morning and then when you get home from school. And then you kind of, we have the the kids' study area off that, which is, again, practical if someone's cooking and they can be doing homework. So it's kind of the the midsection of the day is kind of all in that mid-level um, and then above, obviously the best views, but also where you want to wake up and where you want to go to sleep. And all of the family are on that top level. Um, and then the lower level is kind of the, the extra gift, I guess. It's where the pool mm. is, but there's additional living space for the kids to be separated out increasingly as they get older. Uh, and also a bunk room for kind of family friends. Um, and also this family quite like camping out in there together just <laughs> to make it feel like they're on holiday because why wouldn't you when you've got I mean, a massive it, pool it, and spa it, behind you yeah I mean it does sort of feel a bit like you're in a some kind of amazing resort I mean just that sort of that widescreen view and the the palms and the bananas and all that sort of stuff and the pool and yeah the, yeah it's um it's pretty special and I think they use it in that sense I mean they, they're very active, but when you're at home, they can spend whole weekends feeling like they've gone to a resort mm. with the amount of activities. Mm. Yeah. How did, you, how did you want the house to relate to the water? Because it's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, obviously views and water and proximity to this kind of um, lookout is incredible, but it can be a bit of a trap. So how did you deal with that in terms of how the house relates to it without it becoming overbearing? Interestingly, the the house that was here before, um, kind of from in front of that, in an uninhabited part of the the site, was where that swimming pool is now. And 
coming and seeing that, I realised that actually you had pretty incredible views from what would be the basement. Um, so moving up, you're only going to see more and more and more. So the main thing on a site like this is really that you want privacy from the sides, mm. but you need light from the sides. And you just want to kind of focus on that, almost like a tunnel vision to the view. Mm. But then in the mid area where you spend the bulk of the day and there's a lot of light reflecting off the ocean, I've, I've made that deck completely covered and use that dark stained aquoia so that it, it gives you a reprieve from that sort of glare and from that intensity. Mm, so it kind of gives you gives you almost like a veranda really, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like it's covered at either end. Like a postless veranda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is important because the glare's a real thing when you're down looking at the ocean and it's kind of, it takes away the, the joy of it if it's just all too much and it's too hot and it's too glary and, and you can't enjoy it. Mm, mm. So it gives you it gives you respite to, to pull away and, yeah. and again, and then get into those different zones and those different parts of the house. Yeah. Um, you've got, you know, APL architectural series sliding doors, but you've also got these really lovely window seats with big fixed pane windows. I really like those. They're really, again, that sort of... Um, I guess, channeling the view rather than opening up the whole side of the house. Yeah, the, the fixed window seats were, um, were uh, I guess, for two reasons. One, that's kind of the western sunset view, which is pretty incredible um, to witness. And the other is that it happens to kind of frame Rangitoto. Mm. So Victoria, one of, one of the owners, had actually grown up with a tiny little bedroom window that just caught... Rangitoto and she said she was just delighted when this house was able to kind of do the same and just she's kind of really it's a bit of a, an, an Auckland icon and mm. I think celebrating that as you say by framing it and offering a place to just sit and relax is quite special um, without yeah without the need to pull the doors back or have a table out there or something like that. Yeah and you've also got um, you alluded to it before you've got a lot of neighbours um, and you've yeah. kind of got and one of those Auckland suburbs, you sort of got one of every. We were sitting here looking out before, going, you know, there's a little modernist one, and there's a little kind of yep. '80s cook Hitchcock, and so you kind of want to screen all that, don't mm. you? You don't really want that that distraction. Well, it's at all. partly it's partly privacy, and it's also, um, you know, I try not to to create too much light and too much sun because I think it just starts, you know, it becomes too much on the interior and so you get privacy but as I say sort of framed views and then we've used the front glazing that goes out to the ocean in a way that makes it super adaptable because you can't just have sort of doors rather open or shut mm. in one direction it doesn't mm. really work because so you of can, the wind you can sort of modulate it you can close it down if it's really windy and, and really intense or you can open it right up and just kind of create one big indoor outdoor space yeah well and with the architectural series, you can slide them both ways, and that was a really important decision, and one that only was, I guess, enabled because we had such a deep eave mm. uh, on that deck. So that way we can open either end of the doors and move them in any which way you like. So you can have a small opening at one end or an opening in the middle or an opening at the other end, which is quite unique, um, I guess, because it means that the inside space is able to correlate to the outside space on the deck. So, mm. so the living has a... An outdoor living, the dining has an outdoor dining, and same with the kitchen. Mm. Tell us a bit about the language of the house, because it's really, um, like, it's it's super practical, it's really hard-wearing, and it's got this slightly sort of glamorous edge to it that I, I really like, but it doesn't feel kind of too shiny or too too over the top. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the original brief was um, a kind of barefoot beach vibe, but in an urban context. Mm. And I think so the external materials, they wanted kind of low maintenance and, and something that would sort of show its integrity. So the stain sort of eventually washing off the timber a little bit. Um, and yeah, hard wearing materials, but also bringing a bit of a softness by using timbers in, inside. Um, and the clients have a kind of a slightly kind of a luxe aesthetic, which has certainly sort of urbanized the interior um, while the outside and, and certainly the landscaping give you this kind of resort feel. Mm, mm. So that's why you've got those sort of brass touches and you've got the really big chunky brass kind of pulls on the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was, and you know, the owners did want to make sure that you know, it isn't their beach house, so it had to have that elegance um, and that sophistication, yet you're putting that on something soft like cedar, so mm. it kind of brings that reminder of kind of calm and, and tactility to it. At the same time, it's a bit of, a bit of bling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that um, I've really enjoyed sort of wandering around it today is from a family point of view, it's got so many just super practical things like a really big coat cupboard when you walk in and a full-size laundry. And I mean, have you ever had to des- sort of got to design those sorts of things before? They're, they're, they're pretty amazing things to have. Not to that scale. Mm. Um, I mean, and I think it's kind of a learning curve when you think about the practicalities of, I guess, of living in a much smaller home with just nowhere near enough storage. And this this kind of sense of calm that when you come home and you've got a school bag and some shoes and some washing it's there's a place for everything and you can walk into these spaces and and there's a you know a school bag room and it's not oversized but it's just so convenient and I think the extra washing machine and stuff is again quite rare but um it just gets used when you've got kids with washing that sort of needs to be done at the same time. Well, it's it's kind of second washing machine or, or pile of washing waiting to go in, right? Exactly. Like it's, yeah, it's... And we've got a third one down here for the swimming pool towels because when you have an influx of people, you've got some guests staying in there and you've got swimming towels coming through and people changing clothes all the time. It's just something that if you've got the room, mm. why wouldn't you? Mm. Absolutely. It occurs to me that we're sort of sitting here late summer, early autumn, the pool, the outdoor spaces are really interesting, you know, are a big part of it. How does it change when you head into winter? What what, what, what are some of the ways that the house, I guess, moves at that point? I think what's interesting about it is, again, these deep eaves that kind of give respite from the sun, kind of give you a sense of shelter and protection, and mm. it does feel a bit like being in a bunker. Um, and it's it's quite incredible coming when it's really really blowing. Um, that that middle space with that deck is you, you do can't help but feel sheltered and kind of cozy. Um, but because the house does get all day sun, it's still quite warm even in winter. So there's I guess there's just a sense of kind of comfort and, and security because you're always kind of tucked in under these eaves and and protected. That's really nice. What were you most nervous about with it? Um, I mean, it's 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 a big house, and I think the scale of it was a challenge to me because I haven't done many houses at this scale in terms of making sure spaces still felt human and had like a nice spatial quality. You didn't, I didn't want to sort of feel commercial or feel lost mm. within these spaces. Um, and the other was just, yeah, I guess the, just again, the scale of, of the retaining and the excavations and it's, it's not a small project and, and nor is it doing two on the same site. Mm. So, um, 
Yeah, just just nervous about, I guess, really getting that scale right is probably the biggest thing and making sure it didn't look too ostentatious from rather the ocean or on on arrival. Hmm. I guess, conversely, what, what are you most proud of? What's the thing that you think it does the best? I think I'm most proud of the owners just commenting how perfectly it, it suits their lifestyle and how it just works for them. And I think each house, when you're doing it for a specific client, should achieve that it needs to be designed for the people who are going to use it and I think that's a success if they can enhance their everyday life by the layout of their home that's really nice and that was Evelyn McNamara of Evelyn McNamara Architects talking about a family home in Glendowie Tamaki Makoto with an incredible view and a hard-working sense of family life thanks Evelyn thanks Simon Thanks for joining here and Altham as we explore these great New Zealand houses and chat with the architects who brought them to life. We'll see you next time.